0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Hang on in there. The title of this message that I came up with is Pruning. And I went through several different phrases in trying to get a message that would capture... What it is I felt God saying to us as a church at this time and to us on this particular day. I have three scriptures. One that Mike has read to me, read to us this morning that I, I wanted to share. I'm taking that as confirmation. Um, and also two other scriptures that I want to share with you from Romans chapter 5 and John 15 um, shortly. But you know, coming up with a title so that it, you can wrap up all of what you feel God's saying to you in a message, to me personally is something that I like to spend time on because it helps me bring the point of the arrow right to a head. so although the title of the message is called pruning part of our thrive series what does the Bible teach us about creating a fruitful thriving Christian life for us I thought of other titles that I thought were better like no pain no pain. the pain of pruning I thought we could go with that one triumph through troubles i thought we could go with that one but the one i really want to because the one that i you know when mike was sharing and when we were praying this morning do you know what i feel god telling us this morning hang on in there hang on in there i don't know what you're going through today i don't know lots about some of your lives i know lots about others of you but can i ask you to hang on in there today you know most of us have heard that life's a bed of roses don't we we've heard that famous poem from uh, 1559 by christopher marlowe who wrote the poem the passionate shepherd to his love that's what shepherds do they write poems to their lovers apparently in 1559 they did not so much today but life is a bed of roses is a phrase that comes from that poem we know whether we are believers or not whether we have chosen to follow Jesus or not in our lives we know that life is definitely no bed of roses is it or if there's someone here that can show me the life for a bed of roses please lift your hands and raise your hand right now because you can come and give me some advice later on and quite often, church teaching sometimes and Christian teaching is so dysfunctional sometimes. You know, I was talking with Paul earlier, who say, you know, I argue with God sometimes. You know, apparently it's wrong. It's not wrong to have an argument with God. Whoever taught you that is wrong. The scripture is full of people that have arguments with God. Say so why this? Why that? Hang on in there. And when we are hanging on in there, a lot of the time, we have arguments with God. Why this? Why that? Why me? Why him? Why her? Don't we? You know, there's a story about a guy. Any of you here into extreme sports? No? No? Yes, there is. Martin is into extreme sports, goes into a 10K run with very little training. Good on you. That's extreme, man. Did he do loads of training? Did he? Oh, well done, Martin. I'm impressed. Danden. it? That's the kind of thing. Danden is into extreme sports. But this guy is into extreme sports. Mountain biking. And he jumps on his mountain bike. And he's pacing it going all the way and he comes near he's on the coast and he comes down his coast road and he comes a little bit too near the side of the uh, the cliff he's trying to break hard on the corner and guess what the bike goes underneath him slips sideways and he is left the bike is separated from him as they go sideways and he launches off the cliff and he's going down towards the ocean oh it's worse than that he goes down towards the ocean and he's grabbing everything on the way And as he goes down, there's a branch. And he goes to grab it. He just misses. And then there's another one. And he bounces on one and hurts his ribs. And he bounces on another rock. And eventually, just as he's about to come down, he stretches, grabs another branch. And he hangs on. (laughs) And he's hanging on there. And he's thinking, what on earth am I going to do now? I'm stuck here on the side of a cliff. So guess what he decides to do? He decides to shout up for help. And so off he goes and he says no Joe, he does it a bit louder than that he shouts out really? If you were in trouble that's the way you would shout out help, is it? Last time he shouts out that's much better but nobody hears so he shouts out again and again and there's no answer at all except within about 10 seconds there's a voice from heaven that says i am here and he's hanging there and he says who said that i am god i am here to rescue you and he shouts out he says oh thank goodness he says what do you want me to do let go of the branch and trust me. Sorry? Let go of the branch and trust me. He sits there and he thinks for a while and hangs there and then he lets out these words. Is there anybody else out there? <laughs> and that's what we do. Don't we? Don't we do that so often that God says somebody along our path when we go through different situations and circumstances and they speak something into our lives we don't want to hear the answer. We know it's God speaking, don't we? We know it's him because it's unusual that the topic comes up. Those of you women that have been away to cherish at the conference, no coincidence you going there. No coincidence at all. When you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. It's a spiritual principle. You go on, you want to hear from God, he'll show up most times. And so he speaks into your life. And so often we come there and say, who's been talking to God about me? Do you do that? Who told him? I remember somebody coming to our church once and, and saying, they've told you, haven't they? And I said, what do you mean they've told me? He says, well, your message, you were getting at me this morning. They've told you. Who's told you what? I knew nothing about the situation. And yet speaking into someone's life, lives as a result. Proverbs says, the guilty flee when no one pursues them, doesn't it? And so often as we are in our situations and we are hanging in there, we are crying out to God, but so often we don't like to hear the answers that he sends our way. So what I have to share with you this morning is the principle of pruning, because pruning is painful. Spiritual pruning is painful. You can imagine, I don't know if a vine could talk, but look at what a vine goes through. We're going to share a scripture from John 15, but I'd like to bring it to life for you this morning, if I can. We're going to show the second video, if we can. Um, Lee, we jumped the first one. So the second video, if we can, and this is, some of us, you know, we know our city lives and we live in towns and we live in urban uh, lifestyles these days where we don't live on the land like we used to, we're not close to it anymore, and so we get distant from some of the principles that are used in scripture about animals and plants, and we don't understand them. So I want to show you this pruning video, which is about one minute, 50 seconds long. Have a look at this video first, and then we will read John 15 together. Thank you.
1: This is usually done on vines that are trained to a cordon. So a cordon is this semi-permanent arm that extends from the base or from the trunk. So they can be either unilateral or bilateral cordons. So in this case, we have vines that have two cordons that extend either direction from the main trunk. To do spur pruning you basically need the same tools that you need for cane pruning so you can have a hand pruners and a loppers but you're going to make use of this hand pruners much more because we're basically just going to cut back our one year old growth to one to three bud spurs depending on the system. In this case because we have such a uh, wide spacing we can cut back our spurs to probably only one or two buds. So we're going to take a closer look at what these spurs will actually look like. So we have our cordon here and from this cordon we have these little extensions that you see. We can call these arms and from that arises our one-year-old wood. So this one-year-old wood is actually going to be the spur that we cut back to just a couple buds. And on here we want to count only, we're going to keep probably only one or two buds and we want to not include our non-count bud. A non-count bud is this bud that arises right at that apex of where that new one-year-old wood had come out. So we don't want to count this bud here, but we can count this one and this one. So we want to cut that back right there and remove that one-year-old wood. So similarly, I'm going to go on through and cut back this all to one-year-old wood. However, it's not so easy when we come to a spot like this, where we have two canes coming out of an area. So what we want to do is choose the healthier of the two, the one that clearly has the bigger diameter and looks healthy. In this case it's this one. We want to remove this one right here and we want to cut this back to that two buds. Not only do we choose the one that appears more healthy but we choose the one that also is closer to the cordon. So while in cane pruning the head is the renewal zone In a cordon-trained system, our cordon is that renewal zone, so we want to cut back to that cordon. So we can cut back to two-bud spurs, and if you have any older material like this in here, we can remove that completely. That's where our loppers comes in handy.
0: How interesting is that? Let's turn to chapter 15 where Jesus talks about him being the true vine or the cordon. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 17 says this. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Can I read that again? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I could sit down. That's the sermon done Neely. can I, after watching that video. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you this is my father's this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples as the father has loved me so have i loved you now remain in my love i'll read that again as the father has loved me so have i loved you now remain in my love if you keep my commandments you will remain in my love just as i have kept my father's commands and remain in his love i have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete my command is this love each other as i have loved you greater love has no one than this to lay one's life for one's friend to lay down one's life for one's friend even you are my friends if you do what i command i no longer call you i i no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead i have called you friends for everything that i learned from my father i have made known to you you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. My second text is from Romans 4 verse 5, where Paul takes this teaching a little bit further on pruning and the things that life sends upon our path he says this therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God not only so but we also glory in our sufferings it's a big thing to say. I'll read it again. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that surfer, suffering, suffering, we, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today in all our failings, in all our faults, in all the situations and circumstances and mess that we find ourselves in. Lord, we say and we confess this morning that we are not where we should be in our walk with you. Not where we would want to be with our walk with you. But, oh God, we thank you that we're not what we used to be. And that you came into our lives. And that you changed us. Lord, we confess our need of you and we confess our humanity and our failings and our frailties and lord so often we doubt you so often we ask questions and so often you give us answers that we don't want to listen to oh god will you speak into our hearts and lives today will you by your word challenge us and encourage us and motivate us and inspire us to walk more closely to you regardless of what we go through i ask in jesus name and for his praise and glory and everybody said amen Amen. you know whether you're in church this morning or whether you're listening in online there's one thing for certain that i know and that one thing that i know for certain is the the statement that jesus said when he was with the disciples he says in this world trouble you will have I can tell you right now, I'm no rocket scientist, but I tell you the stuff going to come our way that is trouble. There are people in Manchester this week that are grieving because of what happened last Monday night. There are people even within the last 24, 48 hours who have lost loved ones in London due to terrorism and our heart goes out to them. And as we say so often here in this church, our lives can change with just a text message just a phone call and trouble comes our way but i want to tell you on the authority of god's word this morning i want to tell you that god is there for you regardless of what you're going through that's his promises are yes and amen and you can rely on him if you hang on in there if you remain in me says jesus that's the promise if you remain in me you will bear fruit And God has this wonderful, wonderful way of taking circumstances that the enemy sends at us that were designed to destroy us. And they do destroy some people. That are designed to make us trip, make us fall. But we know as the body of believers and as the fighting church that we are, that have got the whole armor of God on us and that we exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, we know that the enemy does not get up early enough, and is not clever enough to catch us out. Because we stand on the Word of God, knowing that His promises are true, knowing that we remain in the vine, and if I remain in Him, and I remain in all of what He has for me, I know that my life will bear fruit no matter what He says, no matter what they say, no matter what anything says, I am invincible. Yeah. I am more than a conqueror yeah. through him yes. who has bought me with his blood. Yeah. I'm his. Yeah. Do you get it, church? Yeah. Yeah. Now, lots of us might not look like conquerors. And conquerors, quite often, they don't look like conquerors themselves, do they? Yeah i'm sure hillary underestimated mr trump he didn't look like a conqueror did he but he did and so quite often conquerors don't come with big muscles sometimes they're little quiet ninjas i'm a ninja for jesus are you i'm a hang in there person are you hanging in there with me I want to encourage you this morning first before I come to some of the big stuff that I've got to talk about. Pruning, because pruning is painful. But I tell you this is the foundation of what I believe God has laid on my heart for you as a church today. Hang on in there. Hang on in there. And if you hang on in there, the storm will pass. Whatever you are going through right now, you might be there in the middle of it all, hanging onto a boat. Hanging on to a boy. The swell is there. The fog is there. The rain is there. I tell you, there's sunshine coming. There's sunshine coming. And I don't want this to be one of those messages. Okay? So I want to say something before I start. And what I mean by those messages is, you know, when the world changed in 1937. It really did. I wasn't there. But the world changed in 1937 when a, a guy called Napoleon Hill wrote a particular book called think and grow rich anyone read it it's a weird little book but he studied the habits mostly due to prosperity and and uh, he studied several successful people and and the habits and behaviors and traits that they had in their life that led to their success and apparently if we follow those same traits we will get success too and off the back of that began a whole wave of ideology and philosophy around if we can think so it is now i know the bible teaches that to a degree so let me just temper this with you the bible tells us that we are in romans paul teaches us be transformed by the renewing of your mind it is really really important how we think it's really important but thinking by itself is not enough because that's just cognitive. Thinking faith is what works. So our prosperity is not dependent on our possessions and the things that we have around us. I want to tell you, I am rich. I am stinking rich. I am filthy rich this morning. But the richness is not in possessions and things. My richness is in Christ. My richness is in the inheritance that's mine. I'm his servant. I am privileged to be his son. He no longer calls me, sorry, I meant son, not servant. In John 15, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Some of you might know Angelina Jolie. Some of you might know Messi. Some of you might know... Andy Murray good luck with that one some of you might know all kinds of celebs I know the best celebrity that ever walked the face of this earth and he's in heaven right now and he's my friend and he's Jesus and so because of that his wealth is my wealth now that's faith not mind over matter please don't measure anyone by their possessions by their health or by anything that you see around us we all have a particular walk that is given to us in life we all have a we all have a god-shaped life that has been engineered and designed and created for him for us that only we can live as rick warren says in his book purpose-driven life he starts it with those wonderful little words that says it's not about you You see, it's not about you. And Napoleon Hill and lots of this kind of teaching has got into church about health and wealth and prosperity and and all of this madness. And it's come into the church and we can take it on board and we can think that, you know, we're going to have this bed of roses that God has prepared for me. No bed of roses. Some of us have health Some of us seem to have certain gifts that help in certain ways. Some of us are wiser than others. And we can't explain it, can we? We can't explain how God chooses to give gifts in particular ways. But I do know that there's the wisdom of God's word for us to learn through. So I want to talk quickly about four areas of life that God uses to prune us. And i want you as we look at these four areas to understand that this is how god works through his church and through your life in order that you might bear fruit in order that i might bear fruit and at the end i want to share with you a secret are you okay can you keep a secret can you keep a secret okay you're doing well here i'm going to share with you a secret at the end that really is no big secret but I want to build it up in a point that if you just live, and if we just live, and if I just live that one thing in our life, everything else is going to be all right. So let's look into these four areas. They start with P, as most of my points, apostolically trained, normally are. The first, first P is our possessions. Our possessions. You see, if we measure the fruitfulness of our lives by our possessions, we're building our house on sandy land. You might have paid off your mortgage. You might have a great pension scheme. You might have all kinds of wonderful things around you. I hope you're not putting your trust in them too much. Given the economy, given what's happening at the moment, there's lots of stuff that ends up being worthless quite often overnight by what happens to us but what we do quite often instead of having our fruitfulness and instead of staying in the vine what we do quite often is we put our faith in other things and see what happens when we put our faith in other things when we put our hope and our trust in other things when those other things are taken away from us we end up having no faith and so can i ask you a question Could you lose your home tomorrow and stay in the vine? Could you lose your pension fund tomorrow and stay in the vine and remain in him? Could you lose your job tomorrow and remain in him? Because in Western church... We have so often gone and put our possessions over everything else. And I'm not going to lecture you here because Jesus does it far, far better than any of us about the sparrows that neither hunt nor that he keeps them. Don't worry about all these things. We have enough, don't we? We all have enough. But if we put our faith in our possessions, what happens when the storm comes is we end up having no faith. Some people put their faith in the positions they find themselves in, not possession. I'm comfortable, or I'm in this job, or I'm an elder in the church, or I'm on the worship team, or I work for this person, I'm a PA to him. People put their uh, faith sometimes in positions. What if that position was taken away from you are you putting your faith in your career positions and possessions and it's interesting isn't it that when the disciples are called by Jesus one of the things they all do is give up their position don't they fisherman becomes a fisherman a fisher of men the tax collector leaves Luke leaves and instead of fixing people he's fixing souls that's what jesus does to our lives when we come and get ourselves grafted into the vine so first of all positions and first of all possessions i'll park there and ask you a question are you being pruned in this area right now because you see the way that god works reads job it's an interesting passage of scripture we're the enemy and God. And it's, there's lots of theo- far better theological minds that have uh, tried to uh, you know, uh, preach on the subject and um, they're way better than myself. But it's an interesting thought of a conversation that takes place between God and Satan. And they have a conversation about trying to break God's servant Job. But Job was a hanging there guy. You could take away his family, you could take away his possessions, you could take away his position. Even the friends that he had around him said, do you know what Job? Curse God and die. But do you know what he did? He cursed everybody else, hang to God and lived. And blue skies came. Are we being pruned in those areas? Possessions, positions people are sent to prune us aren't they ruth my darling wife i love you to bits but i've been sent to prune you (laughs) to try all your patience i tell you what martin uh your wife and mine were away were you having text messages every 10 minutes or whatever it is just making sure that we keep into the schedule it wasn't too bad my end the kids are a little bit older um but uh, we had a great time sarah and me at home it was fantastic ruth gave a big schedule we ignored it <laughs> did our own thing and then we spent the majority of saturday afternoon clearing up the place pick and span ready for mam to come back but we had a blast popcorn on the sofa did all the things that we're not supposed to do in the house it was great ma'am. you should go away to cherish more often <laughs> but people are sent to prunus aren't they If he led to say this today to someone that's listening online, the reason you're not in church this morning is you have been hurt by the church. But you use the word church, and that's unfair. You've been hurt by people in the church. The church is his bride. It was never meant to be anything that was sanitized and clean. It's full of hypocrites. It always is. It's full of people that are living their mess, trying to remain in the vine and are being pruned every day. It's just those that are still in church are ones that understand that if they hang on in there, everything's going to be okay. But there are some that decide not to hang in there. And so they turn their back on church because of people. Because somebody said this. Somebody said that. There are too many hypocrites in the church. The pastor let me down. That elder said this to me. She spoke to me that way. He upset me. People in God's plan have been deliberately sent our way in order to make us patient. In order to make us loving, the people that are in our lives have been sent by God for us so that we might be pruned, so that we bear fruit. That's the whole idea. That's the whole plan. (coughs) You see, if we get rid of every kind of a little upset if we get rid of everything that, go- that goes on in every community or, or every church or everything what does it end up becoming? it ends up becoming what's called artificial harmony with nobody saying anything for fear of upsetting someone but everybody harboring in their hearts all kinds of ill towards people just not saying it they're all thinking it oh but you're wrong pastor no I'm not wrong the way God designed us to be are you in a family did you have tiffs in your family well if you didn't please come and talk to everybody else in this church that's in a family because we all have tiffs but the love that we have for one another as a family it's strong isn't it so we don't quit on each other we never fail each other we let each other down sometimes yes we do But we stick with each other. And the promise is ours if we keep his commandments we will remain in him and he will remain in us. And he sends all these circumstances away to prune us. So to the one person that might be listening online just now. The church is just fine. The problem is you you've been pruned you've been tested and you've fallen short so what god is challenging you today is to say will you step back inside the door of that church will you bury your bitterness and your differences will you come back to him will you remain in him will you come back and be a hanger on hang on in there with the rest of us on the journey that we have with christ Positions, possessions, people, and finally the big one: power. Power, or the removal of power, or the adding of power, is something that is sent to pruneness. Can I ask you, who has authority over you? I trust Jesus has authority over you, does he? But who else has authority over you? <laughs> I remember the last time I had a clip off my father. I was 21 years of age. And I had the clip, paiti Sharada de That's what I had. Don't you speak to your mother that way? And I had a clip around my ear. And I turned round to my father. I said, But I'm, eight, but I'm 21, Dad. He says, You can be 91 and you'll be still having a clip off of me if you speak to your mother like that. Girls, if you're listening online, I've become that dad. Honor your father and mother. It's a spiritual principle. Does your mother and father have authority over you? Does she? Do they? Or are you maverick? Who else has authority? Are you an insubordinate at work? Because you know better. Or do you recognise authority in your life? It's a huge millennial issue. That people want to rank back against everything. I'm all for political debate. I am all for it. But if you meet Theresa May, please give her the respect that the Prime Minister deserves. Debate all you like, but recognise the authority that she holds. And I would say that if it was Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, or anybody else. We're losing this recognition for authority, and no more so than in the church. But see thing is at ABC, they don't understand, maybe. Or at the church that you attend, they don't understand. They don't understand because I'm gifted and called of God. I'm special. There's been prophetic words over my life. Yes, you might well be gifted. But let me ask you a question. Are gifted children that we recognize in schools up and down the land today, are they ready to be scientists right now? are they no gifted athletes that we identify Andy Murray is currently the world number one in tennis but he was discovered at grassroots level wasn't he did he want to have the right to stroll up to Wimbledon and play tennis yes he's gifted but needs training if you're a gifted person are we ready and power authority over us is a key area that God prunes us that we are told sometimes things that we don't like goodness knows how many times as a young man when I was in church life I was told things I didn't like to hear but you know why I didn't like to hear them because it was the truth about me that there was too much fill in fill and that there needed to be more Jesus People around us are sent to shape us and to prune us. So let me come to the secret. This is the secret. Whether it's positions, possessions, people or power. This is the secret. In fact, I've already shared it with you. And it's the secret of just hang on in there. Take it. Take the failure. Take the things that hurt take the things that harm in fact you know, try and just duck those bullets when they come what's that film with the blue pill and the red pill, I was trying to remember it this morning the Matrix. the Matrix, one of the things I love about The Matrix, have you seen it where he's currently in the, when he's in the zone and he finally gets to see with different eyes, what happens to all the bullets he's like, whew, he's swerving have you seen him, anyone, hands up who's not seen The Matrix well, that's going to die. <laughs> that's going to die as an illustration. Go and see it. But basically, they're firing bullets and he gets to see things in a time dimension that is totally different. And the bullets no longer hurt and harm him because he's able to duck and dive. He takes the odd one, but he's seeing things from a different dimension. You know, the most powerful thing in that video when I watched it online a couple of weeks back, was the understanding that when we are pruned and when that year-long growth is pruned back, all that remains is that small little piece. I found it fascinating because the next year it buds off the branches and that that whole vine is made up of lots of little pieces of year-long growth that have been pruned back in order that new vines, that new life can glance off. Can you put the picture of the uh, pruning vine that we've got here? The one-year-old tree, and you can see it gets cut in three areas there. Two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old. But this is the bit I wanted to share with you. See this branch here? Unless it is pruned right there, you don't get that you don't get the fruit. And all that remains of this very large, prominent branch of the vine, one year growth, all that's actually left of that is that little shift that was put in there. And that I turn up and I say, I'm going to be grafted into vine. But oh God, as I yield my possessions and as I allow people to sharpen me, I promise you today O Lord that whatever situation or circumstance comes my way I'm going to recognise it for what it is and I'm going to hang on in there I'm not going to be like the cyclist that falls himself over the cliff that when I hear the story that you are there for me and that you're there if I just trust you I'm no longer going to turn round and say is there anybody else there? I'm going to trust in you i'm going to put my faith in you i'm going to understand there's a bigger plan that i don't understand but i am going to remain in you and i'm going to hang on in there come on paul let's sing and then michael close thank you